Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, and my co-host Ruben, or Barefoot Farmer. It's episode 11. Uh, For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, so please give us a five-star rating. So this week, we're going to do our card of the week. We're going to do a retrospective on the format up to this point because it looks like there's going to be some major changes um, either happening now or I guess for those listening, it will have already happened. Um, And then we're going to talk about what um, these changes will mean for the draft format going forward. So... To start with, I guess, even though this is a little irrelevant, but uh, how was your draft week, Ruben? <laughs> I, I had fun drafting. Um, I did a lot more ranked, obviously, with the campaign dropping. Um, but yeah, with the new new draft format coming out, I'm I'm pretty stoked to uh, try something else out that's fresh and unexplored, kind of. How how did you do? I didn't actually draft that much because, like I said in the last episode, after I drafted that um, that deck, I was like, well, I'm, you know, rank 60 or something right now. And I'm like, I don't want to go 0-3 and, and then get out of the top 100. Oh, so, right, yeah. So I just sat on that draft for days and days and days until the month ended and then played my games and went 1-3 and and felt really bad. And then um, drafted another deck, and I was, like, not super excited about the direction of it either. So I'm kind of sitting on that, too. Also been really busy. And then I was, yeah. like, so I was, like, having a bad draft week. Then I then the, the campaign dropped. I played all the campaign games. And then I, I went, like, 0-15 with different decks and stuff I was trying. And then and, your tractor broke down, right? And then my tractor broke down this week. <laughs> and oh, I, get any worse. I got um, 140,000 pounds of chicken manure dumped at our farm. <laughs> and while he was dumping the first load at our new farm, he, he got stuck in our field. So I... <laughs> drive to a neighbor's ask them if they wouldn't mind coming and pulling this uh 60 foot tractor trailer out of our field and uh luckily they were just done with chores so they came (laughs) came with their tractor and pulled the truck out a good thing they didn't get their tractor stuck and then you have to get a tractor to pull out the tractor to pull out the other tractor that things like that have happened where we are because it's kind of wet sometimes but then it's really funny because the guy who who delivers this chicken manure is a super nice guy. So after he gets his, we got his truck out. He's like, "So you thinking you still want a, that second load today?" And I was like, "That seems like it's up to you." And he's like, "Yeah, I'll bring it over in a couple hours." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and then he came back a couple hours later, backed right back into our field. Luckily, oh, he gets. Stuck this time and dumped the chicken manure. Yeah, that was dedication. Yeah, no, he's great. That was my week in uh, farming, I guess. We have a theme this week, cards in the new draft packs. So my card of the week is Jotun yeah. Punter, which is a five primal, two six, with the text, Exhaust Jotun Punter to give one of your yetis plus four attack and flying this turn. At the end of your turn, stun that yeti. And it's a giant. So this card, I think, is a bomb and a build around. At least it was in set three draft. And it was also, uh, Yetis was the first uh, deck I ever drafted. It was I, I got a Yetis deck with two Yotun Punters in my first draft ever and got six or seven wins. So this card holds a special place in my heart. So I'm hoping, despite there not being a ton of Yetis in the new um, in Defiance, there's only Mischief Yeti, the uh, one power uh, two one, and um, <clears throat> Shiny Finder, the Fire Primal card. 
Um, I'm still hoping that maybe Jotun, Jotun Punter will have a place in this format, or that the Eddie deck might exist. It'll look like the new draft packs have a good number of cheap Yetis <laughs> to yeah. throw at your opponents. And they have yeah. some good ones. The, uh, the, the 1-4 that gains an attack every turn is back, so that's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, you can punt that right at them, too. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, that's it. keep your eyes out for punters. They're going to be big, <laughs> even though Yetis don't have a lot of uh, support. Yeah. yeah. Or don't keep still... your eyes out so they all get past me. That's... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how many punters is too many punters? Uh, probably need at least a couple to have a really broken deck. Yeah. Um, all right, well, my my card of the week is another uh, tribal card that they're throwing in the draft pack. And I, I just wanted to go through and pick a common just to talk about. And this one is Heroic Bravo, and that's the 8-power bond 4-4 four, four, that uh, when when you bond Heroic Bravo, it deals 2 damage to an enemy. And it also has Overwhelm. So it's pretty good stats, 4-4, four, four, Overwhelm. And this card, obviously, it's like a little early to tell whether or not this is going to be completely of a card that you want to completely avoid or maybe a staple for certain arc the you know the gunslinger archetype um because gunslingers do span justice and shadow and um fire oh, fire yeah right fire <laughs> which is him uh yeah so it's it's gonna be interesting to see if that deck comes together but i do remember this card being particularly good when it came out just because a lot of its surrounding uh tribal stuff was kind of weak so you could easily squeeze a few of these guys and they would work out fine um and the two damage is probably pretty relevant and it's good uh at either removing blockers or flyers or or whatnot so yeah i think this is a card to to look out for as being a potential like kind of staple in that um, gunslinger archetype although I'm yeah gonna, well, i know what, what were you gonna say i'm gonna call it now that this is going to be ruben's blaze of the format <laughs> the card that i think is better than it really is yeah yeah it's very possible I, I mean it's it's still early it's i know that they added a lot of tribal cards across the rarities too and i haven't fully explored the new draft packs um, but it does seem like there's there is some support for this potentially. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe it's just not gonna work. We'll see. Yeah, I do think um, Primal or Shadow has a surprising number of uh, good gunslingers. One of my favorites. This is probably kind of like uh, Heroic Bravo to you was Triggerman in Triggerman, which was the the five power uh three three gunslinger in shadow that oh, has yeah got plus two uh, when when i had a weapon and it has quick draw i feel like even just like a bonded three three with quick draw was good enough that you didn't need the weapon synergy so i always like that card oh but so that, they, they didn't add triggerman huh they added triggerman oh they did okay nice yeah and yeah, there's Triggerman. Um, there's Longshot Marksman, which was a great card in Shadow for Gunslingers. So anyway, those are just two Gunslingers in Shadow that I thought I'd call out. So it seems like Shadow is a good place to be. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess this is a lead into our our main topic, which are the changes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that are happening. They're pretty big, and uh, I'm glad we delayed our recording till tonight because. If yeah. we had done our show before the changes dropped, we would be feeling less relevant, I feel like. So, you know, rest in peace to our uh, seven-win spreadsheet. Yeah. That got, it was pretty pretty large. We were getting quite a few submissions, so thank you, everybody, for doing that. And let's, let's keep it up. I think that uh, it's going to be really cool to start seeing the results. Uh, yeah. What I think, is, is capable of getting seven wins in this format. Yeah, it'll be great. And I think this will be the time where it's sort of most relevant, where, you know, we'll be getting the data here first and really figuring out what's working and not working 
So I think, you know, for all our listeners, please, you know, even if you don't usually try to send in any seven win runs you get, because the more data we get, the more we can share and let people know. And sort of the more advantage that we we will have over sort of the competition in the format, which is very exciting. I think what we'll let's I did want to just do uh, one like a little quick retrospective of the previous format and kind of say thank you to Ben for all of his hard work. Say thank you to everyone who has submitted a deck list. So our new contributors, and we had quite a few this week, um, was uh, Caesar C, Archangel, Collector, Zelda sixty four, uh, Gato Sujo, Zephyr Lord, Nacho D. Alexandra G and Fernando N and uh, names I want to call out Collector who won the last ECQ which is pretty sweet and then uh, Gato Sujo is actually a fellow podcaster Um, he is um, Mark on the Misplay podcast so I would suggest listening to that and their last episode actually was about draft which was kind of uh, fun. The only problem with that episode is they said only one of the hosts of the Farming Eternal podcast was top 100, which was not true at the time. I also <laughs> was top 100. I don't hey, know. I know. Ben, ben was top 100 too. I know. Yeah. So, so all three members of the Farming Eternal podcast are excellent drafters, Mark. <laughs> All three of us are great. And then uh, veterans who uh, had seven win uh, drafts. Um, there was Ben Grasher, Ruben L, Your Soulmate, Raven Dragon, and Abednego. And um, technically me, but despite telling you all to send in your seven win drafts, I forgot to export my draft from uh, this week. And so <laughs> I, I did not have one that made the spreadsheet. All right, so then I thought we'd just do a quick retrospective on um, how the format went. So in our spreadsheet, we now have over 220 drafts. That was a lot of work from all you guys. I think by the end here, this is a continue of the trends that we've been talking about. Fire and Primal continued to just go up and up, and Shadow continued to go down and down. And Primal ended up being the drafted color with 63.5%, and Fire was about the same at 60%. For the three-color factions, Ixtin and Genev were, once again, by far the sort of the best color combination. So I think by the end, it really felt like sort of Renown and weapon-heavy strategies or strategies that allowed you to come out fast um, really had a good place in the format and allowed people to get, you know, seven wins and therefore be in our spreadsheet. Yeah, it's it's worth noting because I think things are definitely going to change quite a bit. Because yeah. we're, we're going to get into some of the cards that left, <laughs> that are leaving our draft packs, especially here. Yes. Yeah, um, so, did you have anything you wanted to say about the format in uh, in closing? Or man, it was great. I mean, I think they did a good job making so many different strategies playable. And <clears throat> I mean, despite there there are definitely some weaker factions and faction combinations. Um, in general, it was very rewarding to play format yeah. for me. And you no, know what I I actually think you know. I think even by the end, with despite the fact that the the decks we were getting the most of were sort of fire based, um, you know, weapons slightly lower to the ground decks, the synergy decks did work, and I found that there were a lot of good drafters were able to make. That was actually one of the cool parts I thought of this format is like there was like these crutch decks like. Um, like Ixton and Genev, where even like scrubs like me could get seven wins, but then like really good drafters could make these like relic decks with uh, what's the O three that um, oh courtier yeah like court that were making these like wild courtier or these consuming greed decks work and having success. 
you know, like um, one of our listeners, Dwiggy, he was uh, top five this month, and um, and he he was always making these like ridiculous Aurelian relic decks work and stuff and having a lot of success with it. So I think there was just like a lot to explore and a lot you could do. But then there was also just some like obvious decks to draft. So if all else failed, you could sort of fall back on certain shadows. Yeah. Why don't we get right into it? Um, so the first thing we thought we would talk about were cards that are leaving that had been very good in our spreadsheet. So we're still kind of using the data from our spreadsheet for these. Um, just to give you an idea of like how much things are changing. So these are cards that we considered sort of core cards from this last, you know, these last couple months that we, that have been um, fueling certain strategies that are now gone. I think the number one biggest, most obvious one is the strangers leaving. Yeah, that's gigantic. <laughs> yeah. And I can't even predict how big of a change <laughs> that's going to be. They were a staple. I mean, the, they were very much... I think, you know, Skycrag Stranger was even in our top... It was like the sixth or seventh most played common <laughs> or something. Yeah, in, two in of the strangers were in the top ten. Yeah. So yeah, strangers were massively kind of warping the format around them. Um, so so by removing these, they're effectively cutting our fixing by a gigantic number. And I think not quite as importantly as the fixing, but it's also really reducing the number of two drops everyone has access to. Like, for example, Fire in the Draft Packs has a single common two-drop. Yeah, it's it's maybe going to slow the format down a tiny bit. But it's also, it's just going to change the way you're building and playing. Because I think it's it's going to make the three faction decks the outlier events. Where you, you you know, manage to pick up some tokens and squeeze in a Coastal Beastmaster or something here or there. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was like, just draft all the best cards and then you'll figure out the fixing later because there's so much of it. Yeah. And now that's that's been changed pretty drastically so that your strategy is more like uh, may, maybe potentially having to go all in on these um, tribal, tribal uh, groups that seem to be very much pushed to the forefront of the format right now. Um, despite, like we'll talk about in a little bit, there's the number of actual tribal supported units in Defiance is quite low. Like there's, like you said, only two common, and there's a, only one common Yeti and one uncommon Yeti. There's only, you know, a couple or a few gunslingers. I mean, it's across the board. I think Sentinels was the one that they have supported that has the most support in Defiance. Yeah. Um. So that that's definitely worth noting that Sentinels might be the deepest potential color um, or faction mm -hmm. group or tribal group to go into. But um, yeah. That, <laughs> goodbye, strangers. For now, I guess we're gonna be having to scrounge a little bit more than we're used to for fixing. Yeah, because the fixing um, that's still in the format. Um, Obviously, there's the tokens from Defiance, and then in the draft packs, there's still the banners, but uh, Ruben and I were talking about this, and we might talk a little bit more about it um, later, is because they're switching the order of the draft packs, I think it's going to be hard to take banners confidently because you don't really know where your, <laughs> where your draft is going when the banners are there as compared to when they were in pack two and three, you know, you knew what three faction cards you had picked up in pack one to know like what banners you really wanted uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. For, for me, I, I think my initial strategy going into this is going to be keeping my eyes out for some of the better tribal payoff cards as, as signals to one of those being open or also just picking the solid good uh 
like outside of tribal mechanics like Trailmaker is still around. Yeah. Um, like we're going to talk about, I think that card has probably just spiked pretty massively in power level um, all around because I, it's, you know, Trailmaker is going to be in the first pack now and it's potentially uh, like a really good building block for a possible, you know, splash or something coming around. But yeah, yeah. It's, there's it's going to be hard to hard to say like <laughs> it it kind of depends on how good of cards you open your rares and uncommons i think in this new format because yeah. we we i feel like defiance is pretty deep on playable powerful commons and uncommons and and now our our pack one is going to be a mess <laughs> it's going to be an interesting mess um, yeah, and then there's uh, Seek Power still there, Trailmaker still there. I think those are the two major ones. And then um, the other uh, sort of neutral power fixing that'll be available in the draft packs are Veteran Strategist, which is uncommon, so will not be as common as the Strangers, and um, Common Cause, which is the tribal power fixing. So, should we talk about some of the good cards that are leaving the format? Yeah, it looks like. So, with Fire, we've got... Well, Dashing Rapscallion was one of the rares that was having good results that is gone. Yeah. Uh, Ru- Ruination Sledge, one of my pet cards that I was throwing multiples of in like every 7-win deck is gone. <laughs> uh, Magma Javelin, one of our... Critical pieces of removal a lot of time is gone. Oni, yeah, Oni Ronin gone. Welding Torch gone. Those are those are the main. Ben has uh, he he got us together a list before the show of some of the more critical cards that are leaving, and this these were the ones that popped up first. So yeah, the Sledge and Torch leaving is pretty big. Yeah, and it's only the only card, and I. I don't remember if this was in the old draft packs, actually, is the only common and uncommon fire weapon now is in the draft packs is heavy axe, the one power two one. Wow. Weapon. So it's, you know, I feel like fire was often really carrying the renown um, decks because all there were so many good weapons. Well, there was these two great weapons in the draft packs that you could reliably get. And now you're going to really have to look in other places to get any good weapon weapon oh. synergies. They, yeah, they even took out Smith's hammer. I just yeah. realized, like, oh man, I was even ha- I would play that in quite a few decks just because sometimes you just needed an extra renown trigger. But yes, it, yeah, renown is you're going to have to be triggering renown with some more interesting, bizarre cards. I think. A lot more focusing on renown with like uh, combat tricks and um, maybe some of the lesser played <laughs> uh, renown triggering cards in defiance, like something I don't know, even like plunder, something that I originally said was terrible. Maybe you need to <laughs> maybe you need to go that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Should we move on to time then? Yeah. So that was that was fire. That so fire lost sledge, javelin, and torch. Oni Ronin, kind of an interesting loss, but I don't think it was uh, making anybody's decks overpowered or anything. Um, right. So with time, we've got archaeologist, Amaran archaeologist, oh. gone. Uh, Illumination wisp. Ugh. That plus my sledge. No. Lumen defender, a card that we mentioned was one of the absolute best uncommons for time is gone lumen shepherd also gone yeah those they lost some strength but i think what time gained is making up for a lot of these losses to me like none of these were super important uh game changing card or, or build arounds or anything like that like 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 for with fire welding torch and sledge were like critical components of a certain weapon aggro archetype whereas this one archaeologist is kind of a hit to maybe 
people like my brother who want to ramp all day. <laughs> yeah. Um, Illumination Wisp is was already worse with Sledge leaving the format, honestly. Because yeah, I always felt like they were that was one of my favorite combinations was putting a Sledge on a Wisp and just winning the game. Um, can't do that anymore. So yeah, that's this. None of this is too troubling though well yeah i mean i think what time loss were just generically powerful cards but i do think that time also in these new draft packs got some of the better cards so i think it is a time is a wash i think fire lost a lot of power time lost power but gained power so i think that's a wash and still having Trailmaker, i think is big game yeah, and, and time, like we were mentioned earlier, time just... Defiance has so much more support in actual unit types with having sentinels all over the place. Yeah. Unlike all the other supported tribes that they're trying to push. So yeah. I think that in general has improved time's stock quite a bit. Yeah, and also, I don't know how you feel about this card, but time also gets uh, Nocturnal Creeper back, which I think is a pretty good two-drop. Yeah, Nocturnal Creeper. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that should be Creeper is the Death Touch guy. Yeah, that was that's a great the Nightfall card. Death Touch card. So you go turn one Scorpion, turn two Nightfall or Nocturnal Creeper, and then your opponent can never attack again. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. So now moving on to Justice, um, the cards that they lost were uh, Oryx Sentry and Peacekeeper's Helm. The cards that were the important cards that they lost. Yeah, the important <laughs> cards that they lost, sorry. Uh, Peacekeeper's Helm is a big one. I feel like they they really took away a lot of the um, the weapon power in this. Yeah, yep. And as we'll get to next, they also got rid of Changey Stick. So they, they were definitely trying to hit all of those really broken um, spellcraft, spellcraft yeah. weapons. They, I guess they just took all of the good ones, all of them in general. I, I think all of these cards were very high-performing and powerful and kind of... Like, like Changey Stick was the type of card that you pretty much always picked <laughs> if you were in Primal. Yeah. Same with Peacekeeper's Helm. So by taking these out, it's, it's uh, making your picks a little harder. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> They're they're definitely bringing the uh, power level down quite a bit all across the board. It looks like, yeah. Um, they also took out. Um, oh, I guess we we can stay on justice. Arc Sentry, one of my favorite three drops. Um, I, like just love that card. It's gone, so that's too bad. Yeah. All right, and so with Primal. We, so we just mentioned Changey Stick is leaving. Jotun Hurler is gone. So that that was all. That's an interesting one because that was like anytime I saw you know the extra card being created in my opponent's hand, I pretty much always knew it was a Hurler. So <laughs> now that that's gone, I don't know what other Echo or whatever cards are. Two Echo in. cards are coming back. The uh, the Sauropod for time is coming back. Oh, God. I know. And time is really getting some good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They got. They definitely replaced some of those cards with really powerful cards. And then that the card other one... feeling like a bomb, honestly. Yeah. And then the, um, the four-cost Yeti 3-2s. That Echo card is coming back, too. Okay. Nice. Those are both probably very high-rate high, high rate pick cards being in... Uh, tribal thing and just being broken in general um so permafrost also leaving by permafrost you were very good <laughs> and uh skycrag wivark probably just because it doesn't fit a tribe it's a dragon so it's if it was a dinosaur maybe they would have kept it around all right well those are none of those are too warping or bizarre i think losing changey stick is another hit obviously to the renowned decks um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's going to be really hard. I think even something like Oni Forge Masters falling a lot in my eyes. As yeah, a, as a card, it went from like one of the premier two drops to now kind of like 
of eh, maybe kind of cart <laughs> if you have enough barrel throughs and stuff potentially i don't know yeah and i wonder if uh we kind of talked about this in our last episode that a lot of primal's power was like it had like a lot of really powerful splashable cards and now that splashing is harder and it's losing changey stick one of its like best splash cards and permafrost is a pretty good card to splash if if primal won't won't be as strong because i think a lot of primal was played not as the main color because you know a lot of its power in defiance is in the uncommon slot and then a lot of its power in the draft packs were in these like really easily splashable strong common cards if that's going to sort of change primal's dominance going forward yeah and also yetis is one of their main yetis and dinosaurs i guess are primal's thing yeah um so if you if they're not flowing i mean you, you know having a Jotun punter is going to be gigantic, but if if you don't <laughs> get some of those tools, you're just going to be left with some really weak Yeti synergies. I don't know. Yeah, and Yetis is a single color, more or less. So that's kind of... Yeah, Yetis, I think, is going to be one of those all-or-nothing type of high-risk, high-reward sort of decks. <laughs> yeah. I, fully, I fully support somebody trying to just go all-in on Yetis. Let's see if they can make it work, but I have a feeling it's it it could be mostly a trap. Yeah. Um, and then Shadow's losing some of our favorite cards. Oh man, yeah. So first off, Amethyst Acolyte. Holy cow, that was one of our best commons. Um Magenta Wisp, one of our top rated in our spreadsheet uncommons. Ravenous Thorn Beast. Uh, Everyone's favorite card. Yeah. Yeah, I love Thornbeast. Suffocate, Surgeon Saw. So it's losing two of its best uncommons. I'm sure there's a reason for all of these changes we're reading, and (laughs) maybe some of it will be made clear after a while, but for the most part, it seems like they're uh, trying to both push the tribal thing and bring power levels more to like a medium level (laughs) all around. They don't want any of these uh, really good uncommons floating around. <laughs> yeah. Ruining and people's then, drafting experience with Surgeon Saws. And then uh, just to quickly go over the multicolor, there's Noble Fire Main, um, the Praxis card. There's uh, Twilight Raptor, the Flying Bird in Falm. Renegade Valkyrie, which probably isn't as good anymore anyway because all the weapons are gone. And then um, Argent Port's uh, sleigh is gone. Oh, man. Well, Renegade Valkyrie was pretty exclusively for the renowned weapon-based decks, and all of that got removed, so she doesn't make much sense. So, yeah, these changes seem to make sense. Noble Firemane was a card that I thought was pretty good, but didn't really make sense with what practice was doing with defiance cards there wasn't a lot of go wide at all (laughs) in any of the so it it just very rarely felt like its activation was doing a whole lot for you i think there were some rare cases where people had were able to splash him in a scavenge deck or something but okay so next we're gonna get into some of the commons and uncommons that are sticking around that were high high performing cards in our in our uh, spreadsheet so these are all worth noting as i think potentially like the most broken cards available to us <laughs> it's yeah. in so- certain decks like number one on this list is rooftop vigilante which is a gunslinger also mm-hmm. so that card was already a very very highly pickable card often splashable even as just a 2-3 Warcry Flyer for 3. It's amazing. Um, they took out weapons, which makes a lot of weapons, which help, doesn't help its you know death touch passive, but I never thought that was super important. And we've also got uh, Granite Acolyte sticking around. That's going to be one of your go-to Renown triggers now that they've gotten rid of a bunch of weapons. Yeah. 
So you're gonna you're gonna be wanting to pick up acolytes, I think, a lot. I think it its stock might have even gone up a a hair. Um, yeah. As as because a lot of the gunslingers, I feel like, do have some weapons matters themes and stuff too. So acolytes gonna fit snugly into that that group, despite not being a gunslinger. Right. Um. And then next, Rakano Outlaw, which to me is the best two drop in the format. Um, right. And is now even better having been an uh and a gunslinger. So yeah. yeah, that that card just went from insane to insaner. So though yeah. <laughs> so it does lose a little bit not having really powerful weapons to put on it. That's true. That 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 could that could affect it. I, I still think it's an insane card. Yeah, I agree. Next Island's Choice still in. That card is obviously very powerful. I don't think Huru is uh has a tribal support. Uh, That's true. New format. There is no like crossover for Huru. So Huru, I think if you're playing Huru, you're you're kind of playing to go all in on those defiance packs and hope you get beastmasters and tokens <laughs> and <laughs> just do doing your best to fill in the gaps with the draft packs. It's going to be interesting. So yeah, it's worth note. I hadn't even thought about that until we got to this point that who we haven't talked about anything Huru and they're not really in the conversation with some of these tribal decks that they're adding. Yeah. Though, you know, I guess we'll come to even see how much of an impact the tribal cards have though i have a feeling it's pretty big just because it seemed like they added a ton of new rares and uncommons um specifically for these tribal groups so so i think you're going to be potentially wanting to build around those more often um and next up is another huru card linebreaker shield still in still broken that's like the type of card you can splash for. Although, like we said, splashing has now gotten harder. So <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be wild to see what happens. It's Linebreaker Shield, I think, is now uh, the best weapon in the format, though. So, And then next we have Annihilate, still in. We don't need to talk about that too much. It's just awesome. And it seemed like they removed certain... Um, removal got slightly worse with this update. So yeah. card, cards like Annihilate even better. Well, what's interesting is, um, I you know they we did lose Suffocate in Shadow for removal, but it did, Shadow did gain a few removals. It got Extinguished, which was the expensive Suffocate sort of you know kill a four power four attack or less unit and Nightfall. We also got uh, Death Strike the the four shadow shadow kill anything so it feels like shadows removal got better and then everyone else's removal got worse except for maybe justice which also got a couple removal cards but i think i think what they're trying to do a little bit is build up even though we lost suffocate kind of build up shadow as the dominant removal pillar yeah, since since it seemed like in defiance, Shadow was probably struggling mm -hmm. in the most, but potentially just struggling the most in the draft packs too. So, yeah, yeah I think you're right. They brought they definitely it seems like are buffing Shadow more than the other factions for sure. So maybe their their uh, numbers mirrored ours that we had been collecting. Let's see. Let's keep keep up real quick with. The cards yeah. are sticking around. We got Jack's Choice. Uh, I don't think it's changed much. Probably gotten, be gotten better because no one will have uh, any weapons. It's, yeah, fewer weapons. So yeah, Jack's Choice. Yeah, you're right. It did get better. Um, Insistent Automaton. Good card. Still probably good. Good for bouncing your merchants back to your hand. <laughs> and you got Sandbinder Sentinel still in there. Still great. Scorpion Wasp. Amazing. Trailmaker. Wow, this is like a bunch of time cards. <laughs> Trailmaker still in there, Shadowlands Bone Picker, and Varus Choice in Xenon. So, yeah, this this list of important powerful cards is there's quite a few time cards in there that are sticking around and going to make a 
huge impact. So the, I feel like this list we just went through are like the cards you're going to be keeping your eyes out for in this pack one, pick one new format. Yeah. Um, even like something like Jack's Choice, like we were saying, might now be first pickable potentially just because it you know, is going to be a little more consistently powerful. But yeah, Ricano Outlaws, that's your card right there. Yeah, <laughs> and like I said, there's only one other. There's only a, a another common two drop in fire. So I think fire is maybe slowing down a little bit. So why don't we talk about our strategies going into into this week and this new format? So uh, we mentioned it previously in passing, but the order of the packs are also changing. Um, so now it will be um, draft pack. Defiance, Defiance, Draft Pack. So do you have any thoughts about how that might change uh, your strategy going into this format? Yeah, it, I've, I mean, not having done one of the drafts yet, it's hard to say. I think you're going to have to do obviously more than one, but to get a <laughs> grip on it. But it, it's going to be a kind of a back, you're going to be constantly having to make it, pretty interesting choice whether or not to dive in on some of these tribal things that they've they've given us a lot of tools to make those work or trying to pick some of these role player cards stick with you know picking up your trail makers whenever you can and things like that and kind of staying open um but it's it seems to me like it's going to be it's going to be interesting it's going to be really weird i think the the chances of you having to completely jump ship potentially when you hit pack two, mm-hmm. when you're like, okay, I drafted all these great dinosaurs and then you get to pack two and you're like, okay, what dinosaurs are even in defiance? And then you're like, what, what am I even doing here? I'm it's, it's hard to even figure out. And I think that's, that's going to be this like, I think don't don't get too discouraged if your decks look really bad because I think a lot of people's decks are going to look really bad. And you're going to be looking at just trying to maximize certain powerful synergies and effects as best you can. Like, you might manage to rustle together a handful of good Gunslinger Matters cards and have to play fewer gunslingers than you would probably feel safe doing (laughs) to make those cards good. But it might be that that's just what you have to do is try and draft those little tiny combos, essentially. Because I'm not sure how often or how easily it's going to be to pull together a deck that really can go all in on these tribal themes. I think think we'll find out pretty quickly here. How about you? What are you thinking? It's it's interesting because I feel like there's two... you know, there's two conflicting things a little bit. You know, it's one is, do you draft pack one focusing on the tribal aspect? Or um, are you still, you know, so are you are you viewing this draft format as a tribal format now? Or are you still viewing it as a three-color format? Because if it's a three-color format, um, I would say you want to get through the draft packs in one of the enemy colors, you know, be, you know, Time Primal or Fire Justice or, you know, one of the one of the non sort of the, the pair that leaves you most open to what your third color is going to be. But, you know, maybe that's not actually a strategy you want to take since you're probably getting a lot less fixing now. So that third color is going to be harder. So you really maybe don't want to be making decisions based on keeping your third color open. And, uh, you know, in that same line of thought, a thing I was just kind of thinking about is with the tribal, you know, there's gunslinger, which is in fire justice shadow, which is kind of nice because, it kind of, it keeps you in those wind like wind chest colors so you have a a very easy three color um faction there and then it also allows you in two colors to be in fire justice or justice shadow um very easily and still have access to 
um, you know, good tokens and whatever for fixing. And then there's dinosaurs, which is Elysian, once, which is once again um, kind of leaves you open for a third color if that's possible. Uh, yetis, there's not a lot of fire yetis, but um, there's two multicolor yetis. There's the shiny finder, and then in the draft pack, there's the three three lord one that buffs all your yetis with plus two power or plus plus two attack. Oh yeah. Um, so there's kind of like fire primal, um, which leaves you open to a third color. And then there's sentinels, which is probably the most supported of the factions, at least in the defiance packs, but that's Praxis, which is the least supported color pair. So it's kind of like this weird tension there, um, too. So it's like. I don't know, I'd maybe be a little uncomfortable leaving pack one in Sentinel's Praxis, not knowing, um, you know, what I'm going to be getting in your next two packs. Um, so, I don't know. So, I guess I have, like, a lot of... a lot. There's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things to think about. But I think for my first few drafts, I'm definitely going to try to stick with enemy colors and pick ba banners that are uh, the enemy colors and try to stay a little bit open, you know, a little bit open color-wise. And by open color-wise, I kind of mean the opposite of open color-wise. You know, like really be solidly in one or two colors leaving pack one as compared to by the end of the format. I was just like, we can splash anything we want and just like picking all the powerful colors, you know, like straight down the pack because you knew in pack two and three, you could, you could support whatever, whatever you wanted to do from pack one. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not you can, it might be feel like you're building two different decks and then smashing them together at the end. <laughs> a lot of games and a lot of drafts. So yeah. I, I think don't don't get discouraged too soon because we're all going to be, you know, everyone's working under the same constraints. So you end up with a pile of steaming garbage that still play it out, stay positive, go through the motions because you might go up against other steaming piles of garbage. So um, <laughs> don't 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 get too discouraged too soon. I think it, it's going to take some time to figure out. And then the other thing I think I'm going to be focused on is whether two drops are as important as they were in this past format, where I felt like it was really important to get out on turn two. So, you know, there's really two, there's two options. It's like no one has two drops, so it's just like a start on three format. Or two drops are important, but now that we've lost such a major source of two drops, you have to really prioritize them. You know, so that can really go two ways. Yeah, I'm gonna be taking two drops pretty highly, at least for my first couple drafts, as I figure out just how important they are. I think that they probably cleaned up a little bit of the chaff in the draft packs and replaced it with some super powerful, like m more tribal matters cards. So it might be that your initial packs are gonna be. Like, you know, you get past one of these really strong tribal, powerful rares or uncommons, and that kind of shapes the rest of your draft. You're like, okay, so this is, this person was not in dinosaurs because they just passed me the uncommon uh, dinosaur ally that makes a 3-3 when you play, you know, like, right. like the cards like that that allow you to like swarm the board and just, there's a lot of powerful cards that are going to be used now. It's just... It's going to be interesting to see whether or not you're able to like successfully pull the trigger on going in on any of those decks, or whether or not you can manage the first pack in a way that you just take good cards. You know, I, I feel like it, there's not enough good cards to go around, so that could be. Uh, but but I think as long as you come out with a handful of playables, you're okay. Yes. <laughs> That's that sounds like a horrible thing to say, but I think you you're 
your goal is to have like I don't know more maybe more than a handful like you know six or seven like solid playable cards and maybe a bunch of random weird draft chaff and see what happens. But I, yeah, I feel I feel excited just to start exploring though. Yeah, so that'll be I, I think that's um, sort of the end of uh, what we planned to talk about today since everything changed. You know, we're not we didn't really mention like a lot of the good cards that are coming in to the draft packs. We kind of just mentioned bad cards that were leaving, but I figured we should take a week and play with some of the cards and figure out, you know, have a better sense of what's what are the good cards than just, you know, going through the list and naming our favorite cards from previous draft formats. Except for Yoten um Punter, I guess. And there's no draft this week because we had one planned, but it seems silly to go over um, a draft from the old format when um, we will be deep in the format once by the time I get this show edited and out. So we're going to end our show here. So that's our show. Uh, once again, a uh, reminder to give us five-star rating and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And to give thumbs up to all our uh all of Barefoot Farmer's Reddit posts about uh, the show um, so that more people can see us and more people send us deck lists, which will give us more data, which will allow us to have a better grasp of the format and help both uh, you and me get better at drafting in Eternal. So send all your deck lists um, to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And uh, as always, um, there will be a link to, we now have two spreadsheets to make things more complicated. We have our, the old spreadsheet where you could see all the deck lists and also it has a breakdown of factions and stuff. And then um, we released this past week, um, Ben's spreadsheet, which gives you a card by card breakdown. So you can see what cards are doing the best in the format. Um, so I think those two spreadsheets together really give you both a macro and a, a more fine-grained sort of micro analysis or snapshot of the format. So yeah, that's all for this week. And remember to keep on farming. Bye. All right. Cool. Bo- bonus content? Okay, we can do bonus content. No. <laughs> bonus constructed... Since you know uh, the campaign dropped and everything, it's uh, pretty yeah, huge. Yeah, I'm really excited. I've only been I, the only deck I'm winning with is your um, FPS or FPS deck that you sent me. Yeah, that deck is bizarrely effective. It's yeah. I, I had a 14 game win streak with it, which is one that's like the second biggest win streak I've ever had in ranked and. It felt like the deck. It wasn't just luck. Like it also felt like the deck was just beating up on all of these Huru decks and Ixton decks everywhere. Because feeding time is insanely good right now, and having that suite of burn spells on top of Vera's favor, like playing Vera's favor with Howling Peak Smuggler, is pretty nasty too. Like you have so many like snowballs yeah. and stuff. Um, to pop Aegis's on top of having four Varas to play that also pop Aegis um, and having access to Howling Peak out of the market and Dizo's office main deck is it felt like you always kind of reach your end game ahead ahead a little bit <laughs> yeah so it's yeah I, I like it too I'm having a lot of fun playing that deck it seems like a weird deck though because it doesn't look like it's doing anything particularly new or broken like it really only gained desecrate um but i do feel like the the deck is just kind of suited to beat up on these palace decks <laughs> that are flying around like you, all you got to do to keep palace from being effective is kill everything they play which is actually easier than you think um because they're if a lot of those decks aren't um playing a particularly large number of units you know they're i've i make sure to kill everything every single smuggler they play all their one drops and two drops or no i guess they don't have one drops but you know they're one ones and hojans and stuff 
mm-hmm. Karyas and Hojins. You just bar as favor or snowball those guys, and then just make sure you keep their board clear and they're they're left you know playing a palace to just draw to, which is just horrible. Yeah, it's it's not as hard to disrupt as you think, just because of the type of deck that I guess a lot of these decks are, the type of game plan they're running. Yeah. Yeah, playing that deck, um, it sort of just made me think that probably FTP is still probably pretty well positioned, too. Oh, yeah, very good. You can get a lot of the same same af- damage-based effects, you know, from... Just remember to take all your permafrost out of your deck. Yeah. Please don't don't play permafrost. I saw somebody playing permafrost recently, and I'm like, what are you doing? I, obviously, you haven't been playing since the campaign came out, because... There's now a site that just pops permafrost on its own. I know. So, yeah. I think that's a pretty small sacrifice to make for that deck, though. It's got plenty of tools. So, yeah, I think FTP is likely the deck to beat going into the next ECQ, potentially. Um, that or Ixton is also really strong. Although, I watched Sunnyvale hit rank 2 earlier today playing just FJS with a couple extra hammers, you know, for Vargo and Yeah. He he was just destroying everything that wasn't Vargo, basically. That's that's that card is a problem, but you know, they if you have a strong enough game plan, you can fight through him, I think. But yeah, I, I think that the format's it has opened up a lot more. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see in a week or two how much it's actually opened up or if people, you know, how much people are just experimenting right now or, you know, how good are those like who decks really and stuff like that. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of experimenting going on and, and, you know, with a lot of the pledge decks too, I know that there's a lot of people like Ilya K is like out there, uh, building a new pledge based deck like every day. So if somebody's gonna break it, he'll do it. Don't worry, it's gonna happen soon enough. <laughs> I know. I so, made some... you know, I think Hojin plus plus knight the new knife, the bayonet is pretty yeah. nuts. Um I agree. I know yeah, that's so a good starting point. The problem with the pledge decks is all the good pledge cards are four or five. So you can't I just wish there was like a good three drop pledger so you can like get your 12 pledgers and have them all be at the curve instead of them all be, you know, it's like really hard to play 12 five drops or whatever to, to get your pledge count up. Yeah. That was the thing I was struggling with. I was trying to make some like time based pledge decks with um, Glasshopper. And then my whole deck was two drops and five drops, and I was like, "Oh, well, this is not, this is not working quite as well as I, yeah, actually envisioned." Yeah, it can have gives give you some awkward draws. Yeah, I know it does feel bad, man, when when your opponent goes like glasshopper into like mirror image glasshopper into like two three power moonstone vanguards and you're like oh my god <laughs> that's just well, there's a lot of decks that just can't beat that whatsoever yeah. so it definitely feels like those decks are kind of i don't know they might be a little too high rolly for me um <laughs> where it does it does feel like you're you're kind of redrawing a little aggressively <laughs> all the time just to make sure you get the perfect combination of pledge and you know right. and everything it it's but i mean i i think that they're also having some consistent results so i think there's definitely a lot to those decks i i, I think the next ecq is going to be just absolutely you're going to have a huge myriad of decks at, yeah if if things hold steady the way they are right now it seems like just about every every co- faction combo has has some competitiveness to it and there's even decks that nobody's playing right now that are still very powerful like grenadines i think still really good um and probably it's just flying under the radar because you know <laughs> like why would you play grenadines you have all these new 
toys to play with with the campaign. So, yeah, the I, other deck, yeah, I, gonna, I keep yeah. trying to get in uh, play Reanimator again. I, you know, with with the the Desecrate and then the the new draw spell, I think uh, Reanimator's in a good spot. Well, yeah, and if everybody drops all of their void hate, um, yeah, just in general, it's. It could be a good uh, sleeper um, tier one deck. Yeah, the one problem is it's not. It's hard for it to fight against eight harsh rolls with the Ixton deck. But <laughs> that's yeah, that's a good point. I guess we'll see how popular that deck is too. Yeah. Well, and anyway, I, I think uh, people are getting a little more stoked on constructed at the moment. Yeah, and yeah, now there's the big draft changes. Oh my gosh, you replicator like just kills the conversation for you. <laughs> oh god, you started talking about replicator. No, I don't mind. All right, gotta go. Sorry, yeah, I'm really, really busy over here. <laughs> Patrick's talking about replicator again. Okay. Well, that was, I think that was a pretty good episode.